All right. Why don't we take out our Bibles today? We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, if you want to grab those. There should be one a Bible under the seat in front of you if you don't have one today. We're taking a break from our Being Jesus series to talk in a very short series, only four weeks, we're in week two, about how we run the church. Uh, we are a family here, and it would be nice every once in a while if we stop and we say, hey, just so you know, we really try to take care of this place well. And just so you know what the parents are doing, here's kind of what's going on with finances, here's what's kind of going on with the building stuff, here's what's kind of going on in our structures and our systems, right? And some of you go, man, that sounds boring. Well, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Actually, it impacts every one of us, so it's fascinating. And so I'm going to try to bring it to you and deliver it in a way that would keep your attention, but we'll see. Who knows? But what I want to remind you is that in this four weeks, here's what we're trying to cover. The first week, last week, I gave you a big picture, 30,000 foot view on what are we all about? And I'll recap that in one second. This week, I'm going to give you all the vision language that we've been working on for a year and a half of trying to organize and assess and reorganize how the church systems are run so that we might be more healthy and carry out what God asked us to do. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about strategy, what we're going to do and how it involves you and what structures we're adjusting so that you might be trained up and equipped in a better way. The fourth week, we're going to do a relaunch and all together, we're going to collectively come together and talk about our new home that God let us have. So let me just bring you up to speed on that. Not everybody knows this. Uh, you have heard that we are moving. Yes, indeed, we are moving because God wrought a miracle, right? I mean, I shared this a little bit with you last time that you never, we broke every church rule on how to raise funds, right? So God had to step in when you got bad leadership like me. You know what I mean? It, I'm demanding God's presence because God's going, wow, I better show up. That guy's terrible. And so he just shows up, right? And so... You never, ever do a building campaign in the summer, okay? That's a terrible idea. And when there is a small window of opportunity, usually you should pass because you can't get thousands of people all on the same page at the same time. God did. He gave us a window of 60 days to raise pledges for 4 million bucks. That's ridiculous. Like, what? Why would you do that? That's a terrible idea. And then God did it. And we were going, whoa. Wait, how did you do that? I want to share with you more miracles that have been going on in the process, all right? Because these are the things that are behind the scenes, and you would never, ever know this stuff. So first of all, let me talk about funding. So we ended up having uh, a couple miracles there. If you remember, when Consolidated Communications, or SureWest, who were buying their campus, they actually said... We are willing to sell it to you. We are going to pull it off the market. We weren't going to sell it to anybody else. We'll sell it to you. And we are going to give you the opportunity to pay your down payment over two years. Okay, nobody does that. They were super sweet to us, super kind, and God gave us favor. We are going through that process. As you know, we just signed the final papers this last week. So now it's ours, yeah? All right, so... What, there was more to it. So then we had to go out and we said, well, they've given us great funding, but you know what? We would like to refinance that in so that we have a different type of loan. So we go out and we get this bank and this bank was awesome. They were super kind to us, gave us great rates. And then inexplicably, 
pulled out of the process at the last second. We, to this day, we do not know why they pulled out. None of the leaders know because some guy somewhere in San Francisco at their headquarters said no, and no one knows why. At the last second, they pulled out all funding. And we were like, uh, God, <laughs> uh, it's getting a little late. I don't think you know our timetable, Lord. You know, right? And so we're trying to talk to him about that. And then, sure enough, God brings in a better one, one that wasn't even on our radar, one that we could not have possibly known about. And sure enough, our business manager gets alerted by God, finds funding that was insane, and it was far better and more money. And we're just going, Lord, you're killing us here. You're doing such an amazing job, right? It's almost like he knows what he's doing. And we're like, Lord, for your first business project, you're doing well. Lord, it's amazing. Then it's not done. So then we got to go through the conditional use permit. I don't know if you've ever had to go through the permitting process of a city, but it's miserable, right? And so we're like, how's this going to go? I mean, it could be super expensive and it could be super long and, and we could have protests and we could have problems and all this stuff. We go in first time. It's unanimous. No problems. All done. What? Yeah. The process, because we're doing a $14 million project, the process could have cost upwards of a million dollars to do all the permitting and all the fees and all the things that you would have to fight through to get it. Ours cost 25 grand. I mean, so what I'm telling you, and I could keep going about all these weird things, but you don't care anymore. But what I'm saying is, is that, wow. God's awesome, right? That's what we're trying to do. It's I want to give God the credit when he's doing stuff, whether it's in front or it's behind the scenes, God gets credit for what God does. His hand of favor is all over it. Amen. So, uh, we'll just wrap up this portion. Um, as God's hand of favor is upon this, I believe that he triggers blessing many times off the prayers of his people. Could you please continue to pray for this whole process? Um, I mean, we had this whole thing where there was an old lien on it and they're trying to get that removed from, you know, 20 years ago and blah, blah, blah. And that's the last thing that we have before we get the keys and all that. Just keep praying that God would bless this. And the other thing is we got to finish strong, right? Even though we had the money to get in to the building and purchase it, we now have to make it fit for a church and we don't have that money in. So we got to finish strong. That's why we're doing the big relaunch and going through all the numbers with you and all. Just pray God's hand of provision, right? Uh, this next week, I'm sending out a letter to you. And in there is going to be some pledge cards. I want you to pray over it. As I told you last time, some of you uh, pledged in faith and said, you know what? If the Lord continues on, I can give this. And then you lost your job. Remember I told you, I don't want any guilt. I don't want anyone carrying that. That's not for you. That's on God. All right. But then some of the rest of us get a chance to pick that up. That's an opportunity. So some of us need to review and say, you know what? I need to raise that or I need to adjust this or I need whatever. We're all going to work on our cards and we're going to bring them together on the last week of this series. And we're going to present that offering to the Lord. Okay, so I got that. In the meantime, practically speaking, you heard two ways that you can help out besides prayer. And that is being part of the move team, being part of the call team. So if you're interested in all that stuff, you can sign up out in the lobby. All right, let's get moving forward. What we are doing in this series is that we want to become more intentional. We're a discipleship-focused church. We want to figure out how to do that well, how to do it Christ-like, how to do it scripturally. We also need to grow in two other areas, though. 
One of them is that we got to get to know each other. We don't know each other. We're disconnected. And so we need to focus very heavily on connecting and shrinking the church in relationship. You know what I mean? Where we all begin to know each other and get involved with each other. And then the other thing is we really have to grow up and mature in reaching out. Okay. Um, What we need to understand is that a lot of you, the majority of you are sitting here in a place of peace with God. And yet you're surrounded by neighbors who are not. That should bug you right? You have the solution in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have to know that because I appreciate that your heart is right before God, but what if theirs is not? And, and are you okay with that? I don't think you should be. And so we as a church need to grow up in the area of being salt and light out into our community. So in this series, we've been talking about how do we do all this? So I'm going to go over some of that with you. But let me just recap real quick. When I told you last time, it, what we are looking for from everyone that attends Bridgeway, what do we want to happen to you if we were trying to design systems? What do we want for all of us in this place? It's one word. Let's go ahead and throw that word up on the screen. It is this, transformation. The heart of everything we're trying to accomplish here is transformation into Jesus Christ. In other words, not just a little change, not just a new phase, not just kind of, hey, I'm going to try this. I'm talking about overhaul. I'm talking about morphing into the image of God, right? I'm talking about from the inside out, transformation is what we're looking for. So if you always go, why would they do that? We're trying to set up a date with you and Jesus so he can transform you. That's actually why we're doing it. And so if you're not transforming, we're not okay. I want to make sure everybody is transforming. Now, as I said, the only way our model of discipleship, of equipping and training here, the only way that works is if we use it when we go out there. If you do not share it out in the world, I have to change the structure of our church and I got to bring them here. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I can focus on you and training you, you have to go out there. But if you do not go out there and you just hang on to what you have, I got to change our structure and bring them in here because one way or another, they need to hear about Jesus. I would much rather have them hear it from you than hear it from me because I'm only one guy. They're going to be transformed more by relationship than they're going to be transformed by me yelling at them. That ain't going to work right? So we only work if we go out into our communities. All right. So I said all that. And I said, really, if we're talking about an identity statement, what do we want to become as a church? I gave you this phrase. Let's use the next phrase. We believe we are called to be a scripture soaked, spirit led community, expectantly seeking transformation into our identity in Jesus. And I broke down, what does it mean to be scripture soaked? What does it mean to be spirit led? But if we are not anchored in and tracking with God, we lose. All right. So this is what we've been talking about. So let's move from that place and we're moving forward. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what our church is about. So we're going to begin in Luke 10, 38. What I want to do is play the game with you called bottom line Christianity. Uh, uh, just a real quick show of hands. How many of you are bottom line people where you go, you know, quit beating around the bush. Just get to the bottom line. Where are you at? All right. Fantastic. Good, good, good. All right. You're going to love this part. All right. Because I love any time that God boils things down. You know how in the old Testament, there were hundreds of laws and he goes, all right, I'm going to boil it down to 10, 10 commandments. And everyone's like, yeah, all right. I can do 10. I can't do thousands. I can do 10. Right. Let's go bottom line Christianity. And we begin with this. 
Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, reading out of the ESV, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much, what? Serving. And she went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. All right, bottom line Christianity, there's one thing. I love that. There is one thing absolutely necessary, and Mary had it right. What is it? Being engaged with Jesus Christ. Martha, there's a lot of serving to do. I get it. The world is going crazy. There's all kinds of needs. There's all kinds of hurts. There's all kinds of problems. I get that. I know that. But you're never going to accomplish anything if you're not attached to me. If you do it backwards and you try to run out and accomplish for the kingdom without being attached to me, you are like John 15 says, you are like a branch disconnected from the vine. You won't produce any fruit. You have to be abiding in me. You have to be connected to me. You have to be drinking from me and learning from me in order to do anything for me. So the one thing that is necessary is that you know me, is that you are engaged with me, that you're growing with me. Uh, everything else is details. Kids, he said, I don't need you for results. I can do results better than you. What I need is process with you. What I want is to do life with you. I don't need you to disconnect from me and go try to do stuff for me. I need you to be with me. Right? All right, let's keep moving forward. Turn with me to Matthew 22. So you're going to bounce back two books. Those Matthew, Mark, Luke. Periodically, I run out of air and I don't remember why. I think it's because I'm yelling. I'm not sure. Matthew 22, 35 says this. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All right? We're playing bottom line Christianity. Two commandments. Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's two out of ten. We boiled it down and the entire Bible hangs on two. I love that. Now we got it. We got it. If we nail those two, everything falls in line. So if we're playing bottom line Christianity, we need to love God deeply. We need to love one another deeply. But then Jesus added to it. He said in John 13, 34, you don't have to turn there. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so also you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You go, you already said that. We only had two. You said one of them was loving people. He said, yeah, but the new commandment is to what degree? I told you last time to love your neighbors yourself. I'm going deeper. I want you to love them like I love you. Unless we love intensely, unless we love like Jesus, we're not there. 
That's bottom line Christianity. Turn with me to Romans 12. What would it look like? Romans 12, you're going to go to the right in the Bible. Romans 12, what would it look like to love like that? What does real legit love look like? Well, Paul was talking to the church in Rome and he was saying, guys, here's how you need to get along. Here's how you need to be a family because the family of God matters. And these are the instructions. I'm just giving you some examples. We could use a ton of passages, but let's just stay here. Romans 12, 9, all right? He starts with a bomb drop. Let love be genuine. All right, stop. Why is that such a big deal? Because we're in church. In church, everybody knows how to play the game of being nice. Man, we have mastered the art of that. Nobody walks into church and out loud says, do you realize that because of your clothing, I'm judging you? (laughs) Oh, no, you're thinking it. You're just not saying it. Does anybody ever walk in and go, you know what? As much as I probably wouldn't take communion because I hate you. Nobody says that right? They'll let the thing pass by, right? Nobody is going to be honest about what's going on. We know how to play a game. We know how to be nice. We know how to look nice. We know how to engage nice. We do all that stuff. And right there, he blows the whole thing up. Your love better be legit or it doesn't matter. If you're playing some type of game, it's not going to work. If you're trying to give me lip service or you're trying to look good on the outside, that's not going to happen. Let your love be genuine. Then he says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Here's the next bomb. Love one another with brotherly affection. Okay. Here's the other thing we're really good at. We have somehow concocted in our mind that we have a legal mandate to love one another, but we don't have to like each other. Somehow we do this thing. You know, in Jesus, I like you. Honestly, in the flesh, I think you're an idiot. Like, what? You can't say that. Well, it's how we feel. It's going, listen, I don't ever want to be around you. I mean, I love you in Jesus. Don't get me wrong, right? And we always say that I love you in Jesus, but I don't really want to be around you. Okay, brotherly affection means you actually like me and you want to be with me. And you're going, wow, that is too big of a chasm, brother. (laughs) I can't get there, all right? Well, that's why we have to work as a family of getting the siblings to get along so they actually enjoy going on vacation together and don't hate each other. You know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of work to do. And so as spiritual parents, we're always looking out and going, why aren't the kids getting along? And y'all are spiritual parents. You know what's going on around you. You get it. He he moves on. He said, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse them Rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep stop How are you going to rejoice with me when you don't even know me? How are you going to weep with me if you don't know what crushes me? In other words, we can't do this if we're disconnected We have to know each other deep enough to care about it It's one thing to pray over a prayer chain. It's another thing to pray over a friend You understand what I'm saying? We have to know each other deep enough to care and know what's going on the inside. So how are we going to get there? That's what we're talking about. This is why it's a big deal. Because we need to know one another like family. Let's keep going. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. What does that mean? It means no clicks. There's no room for elitism. There's no room for, oh, I don't like that group. 
Wait, what group? What are you talking about? There's one family of God. If you're in it and someone else is in it, they're your brother or sister, whether you like them or not. You understand? So we need to get to like them. And so we keep creating these walls or these barriers that we go, I'm not into that group. Why are you calling it a group? It's just your family. You would, I mean, I hope you don't do that with your siblings, right? Well, with your siblings, you're like, I don't associate with those siblings. <laughs> what? They're your siblings, right? All right, let's keep moving. He said, repay, uh, never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. Awesome. Let's close out this passage. Matthew 28, 18. Turn with me there. Bounce back to the left. I'm having you turn around. You know, I could have put these on the screen and made it a lot easier, but I didn't. Because <laughs> remember, you don't have a screen and me yelling at you at home. You do have a physical Bible, so we're going to go ahead and turn there. Uh, you know this one. This is super famous. It's called the Great Commission. We're playing bottom line Christianity, remember? What does Jesus want from us? Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, that means get out of here. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That means sharing the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe what? All. What does all mean in Greek? All, praise God. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, all the way to the end. So, if bottom line Christianity says we got to love intensely, if it says we got to be connected to God, if it says that we have to interact with the world, if it says all that, what ought we to do? This is what we believe is Bridgeway's mandate. If we're to talk about what is our mission, what are we supposed to accomplish? This is our mandate. Would you go ahead and throw this up on the screen? We believe that our job is equipping one another to bring the wholeness of Jesus to a broken world. Okay, Jesus is the solution. Let's get him out there to everybody. How are we going to do that? By equipping one another. And you go, I don't understand what that means. Okay, here's what it means. This is not a professional's job. We wait for the pastors and the paid staff to do all the stuff. They're not going to cut it. The church was not designed to be done by professionals. The church was designed to be done by the body. So we are equipping one another, and I'll just be practical. You have gifts, talents, and experience that I simply don't have. I'm not going to bring it to the table. You can wait all day long, and I'm not going to bring it to the table. You bring it to the table. That you're the one equipping me. There are some of you that are going to teach me how to pray more like Christ. Because I don't know. There are some of you that are going to teach me how to run the church better in finance because I don't know. There are some of you that are going to teach me how to work with people and navigate systems because I don't know. So it has to be all of us at the table running the family. It cannot be a top-down hierarchy because God never blessed it to be that. So we have to be equipping one another using our talents and gifts to make each other better if we're going to make this thing happen. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? All right, praise God. Let's keep moving. So what are our core values? If we were to say bottom line Bridgeway, what are our core values? We got five of them. Let me throw them up on the screen. Number one, knowing God. 
Knowing God, if we're playing bottom line Christianity, if you don't know God, none of it matters, right? What do we mean? We mean pursuing an intimate, accurate, growing relationship with God. First of all, intimate. You cannot have an intimate relationship with Christ if you don't know him. You can't have an intimate relationship with Christ if you don't spend any time with him. So this whole, I'm a Christian only in word only, but I don't do anything with it, doesn't fly. You also cannot, we will never be okay with these phrases. Well, I'm here because of my wife. Well, I'm here because of my husband. Well, I'm here because of the kids. I want you here because of you. You understand what I mean? Oh, we're here because of our parents. No, no, no. You're here because of you. This is your Jesus, your Savior, your Lord. And it better be intimate and personal. And it needs to be accurate. There are a lot of people in the world today that check the box spiritual on their application. I don't even know what that means. We end up doing some salad bar combo Jesus thing. People start describing Jesus. Yeah, I'm into Jesus. And then they describe him. And I'm like, that may be Jesus. That ain't Jesus. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. Because he don't look anything like my Jesus. Man, you got something going on. But I never saw that dude in here, you know. Okay, it better be accurate. If we fall in love with the wrong guy, that's going to be a problem. You understand what I'm saying? So let's be close. Let's be accurate and always be growing. Okay, there is no room for going, man, I arrived. Uh, you arrived where? Oh, I'm sorry, did you die? Okay, if you didn't die, you ain't done. You know what I mean? <laughs> you you got to keep going. We're growing and growing and growing until we reach glory. And then we'll end up growing more. Why? Because our God is so infinite that even in eternal life, you will never fully get your hands wrapped around the incredible, complex, amazing God. Ah, wow, that's powerful. All right, let's go to number two. Loving generously. We could have put any word in there. We could have said loving radically, loving sacrificially, loving a bunch of different ways. What do we mean? Joyfully demonstrating God's abundant love. I want you to be extravagant in your love for people and go to the nth degree. Not because you tried harder, but because you're so filled up with God's love, you're spilling out over everybody else. You know what I mean? I'm talking about where you do crazy things in order to demonstrate your love. I'm talking about things that other people would go, dang, why are you doing that? And you go, I don't know. It's just God promoting, saying, tell you got to go do this for me. I mean, I feel like I'm on his mission and I got to go out there and I got to love the unlovable. I got to break through walls. This is what we're talking about. Number three, developing disciples, maturing and mobilizing followers of Jesus. What I didn't say is merely giving you more information. If you have all the information and no spirit, you're a Pharisee. That's fact. And they weren't walking with Jesus. So we're not interested in merely gaining information. We're interested in maturing in Christ. That means you got to translate it into the life, translate it into wisdom. And then it's, we need to mobilize you. We got to get out there and actually do something. Being an awesome, fired up, mature monk doesn't do anything. You understand what I'm saying? Because then the whole world's still dying. You're brilliant, but they don't know you. We need you mobilized, all right? Number four, building family. Families are critical to us. Why? Because if the family is garbage, we're not doing anything. So we believe very strongly in kids ministry. Uh, one of the things is that we've been talking and reorging uh, all our ministries. And one of them is that the kids way ladies that run it, 
They are not content with the quality of what's going on back there. So we're overhauling things. They're bringing in a new curriculum that the kids might be more trained up at an earlier age. They're doing, they want to do open houses to bring in parents. They want to have greater commitment. So it's more like the youth ministry where leaders are sticking with kids throughout their journey. Um, all these different things. They're trying to figure out how do we do things more smoothly and how do we get the children to have things that they can take home and how can we have the parents be equipped Well, the youth is the exact same way. The youth is constantly, all our youth leaders, how do we make healthy teens? How do we make healthy teens? How do we equip the parents to work with healthy teens? I mean, it's a big deal to us because the family has to be strong. We're big on making our marriages work. So we're going to invest in marriages. We're going to invest in families. But it's not just our nuclear family, right? Jesus said, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Man, it's right here, y'all. So when I come up here and I keep calling you family, it's because you are, many of you are even closer to me proximity-wise and time spent than my own siblings. Just understand, you're my family. And so you're each other's family. We have to be strong there. All right? And then number five, partnering missionally. What does that mean? It means strategically aligning the body of Christ for the mission of Jesus. That means internally, we got to work together. It means externally, we got to be regionally connected. I just sat the other day, check this out. I'm sitting at a table at the XC uh, offices overlooking the new Kings arena. And if you don't know, that's the Sacramento Kings or a basketball team. Uh, I'm down there in downtown Sacramento with the Kings organization and a whole table full of pastors because the Sacramento Kings, what, uh, from what my research has shown is one of only three teams in the NBA that allows a chaplain. So we're, we're hanging out with the chaplain of the Kings and the Kings organization invited us all to the table and said, we want to revamp faith and family nights. What do you guys want to do? For a secular organization to grab pastors and go, hey, what would you like to do? That's weird. That's an awesome opportunity. But here we are, and we're not looking for what's a win for Bridgeway. What's a win for Jesus? You know what I'm talking about? Collectively together, amen? All right, so how would we even know if we're doing this stuff? I mean, what are the measures? What are the metrics? How would we even figure that out? Well, we designed kind of a quick, and we'll give this to you later, but a quick diagnostic. How would you know? Well, let me throw you out these questions real fast. There's six of them. Am I connecting with his presence, right? Am I connecting with his presence? Number two, am I being changed into his character? Number three, am I investing in his people? Number four, am I developing his people, right? Number five, am I showing his love to the world? And number six, am I engaging in his mission or is it still all about my agenda? You know what I'm talking about? So this is kind of how we do a self-diagnostic going, well, where am I at? I don't know. How are you doing on these things, right? All right. So as we enter into this last portion, we got to get the right leaders in the right spots and get them cared for in order to make all this happen. So we've been moving pieces around, and I want to share with you those moving pieces. Let's go ahead and go to the slide with three circles on it. Uh, If you were at our last business meeting, you would have realized that we voted in some changes to the elder board, all right? If you were not there, um, let me just give you a real recap. Uh, In the 19 some odd years of our existence as a church, the elder board has always been life appointment, meaning 
you die to get off the board. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, that we found out was not allowing breaks. That was not allowing some healthy seasons of life stuff where our guys who uh, are volunteers are heavy nights going through tough seasons and they don't have any breaks. That's not right. So we voted in term limits. We now have our elders serve for three year terms and then they get, they are mandated to be given a year off. All right. Now, whether they come back on or not is totally up to them and the board, but they are forced to take a break. What, what that means for you is that we're going to need a lot of your recommendations. We need to know what you know about the folks in church. Who would make a good elder? We need to know what gentleman are you seeing that you're going, man, that guy's nails. Love that guy. He's mature in the Lord. I'd love for him to lead the church. You got to let us know that so we can then vet that person over time. So we have it all staggered to where we're going to keep trying to fill in and have fresh blood in there, right? So we change that a little bit. The other thing is, if you came to any of our elder board meetings, they look more like business meetings. They don't look like elder board meetings because they were doing everything with the church. They were doing all business. They were doing all finance. They were doing everything. I don't believe that that's what they were called to do. So we're doing a little bit of an ax thing. Hey, can we get some people to wait tables? Because we need to be focused on word and the prayer. You know what I'm saying? So we developed two teams to support the elder board. One of those teams is the financial advisory team. It's still being formed right now. Not only will it have, you know, one of our elders and it'll have our business manager and it'll have stuff like that, but we need you. Some of you are CFOs, some of you are just brilliant in finance, some of you are business owners, and you just get it. You know how to work in larger numbers, and you know how to navigate those systems. Those representatives will be on that board. They will help us with the budgeting process, they'll help us with the major decisions, and they will advise the elder board. The elder board still has ultimate authority and veto power, but they need wisdom from you. In the same way, we created a senior leadership team that will handle the day-to-day activities of the church. So let me jump to that. We're going to blow that one up. Let's go to the next slide. I put me in the center because the world revolves around me. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I just had to mess with you. And it's like, oh, yeah, great. So you're in the center. I get it. Okay. It works out this way. (laughs) Quit hassling me. So... Uh, what I end up doing is I end up facilitating this team. And so we are going to have champions over every part of God's kingdom here. And the idea is I'm helping them get along. I'm helping to organize that and feed in the vision that they will then carry out. And so I want to kind of go around the circle. If you go to the right of that, there's a director of discipleship. So let me introduce you to who these folks are. You know this guy, all right? You know this guy because he is, oh, (laughs) a little nervous about that falling off, huh? (laughs) you know jason stewart jason stewart has been our pastor of discipleship and he's brought an awful lot to the table so anything that is hands-on discipleship that means anything that we're going to do with smaller groups anything that we're going to do with uh classes anything that we're going to do with next gen college high school middle school children anything that's hands-on discipleship he ends up being the champion for does that make sense so we're going to task him to watch over 
over the leaders there and get them what they need to do their job well. If you go around the clock down at the bottom, you have director of connections. That's a newer job because we have to get along and get connected and we have to revamp the entire ministry. We have to build it from the ground up. We grabbed a young man that is incredibly brilliant and you know him very well. His name is Brian Kiley. Brian Kiley is going to be in charge of all affinity ministries. So men's, women's, children's, family, uh, bridge builders, all that. He's going to be watching over the whole process by which you get plugged in. And he's going to make sure that you have what you need to grow. That's his job. All right. You keep going around. We got a director of operations. We don't even know who that person is. We needed them about a month ago. And we are trying to find that person rapidly. They need extensive church experience with large churches because they're in charge of all the systems. So everything about facilities and finance and admin and everything, we even have all the creative arts department under them and, and all the things that are systems running in the church, that person's a champion of. We're still trying to find that person. Pause. Okay, good. Now... If you click over one more, you have director of what, right? And what that means is that this is a movable document. We are going to be adding leaders in as we break out span of care so that we don't have too much on one person. For example, I'd like to break out from the systems, the creative arts department, because creatives and tech geeks don't always get along. So we're going to go ahead and split those out, but we don't even know what that would look like. We don't have the funding for that, but just understand this is a working document. All right. If you go around and probably the most intriguing one that I would just reveal out to you is this director of care and compassion because they oversee all the missions and outreach over soul care, which is all of our counseling wing and all the training up and resourcing and helping us heal, right? That kind of stuff over all the prayer and even Pastor Mark, if you remember Pastor Mark Henkel, he stepped off the elder board and now is in the elder board meetings to help us organize stuff. But he stepped off and his whole focus is creating a pastoral care ministry saying, listen, how do we get a lot of leaders that are pastoral ministering to other people like our chaplains do? He's building that whole thing. This director is going to watch over him and that whole department, right? And who's that? Let me introduce to you your brand new pastor, Pastor Parnell Lovelace. I told you you didn't want to miss it. This is a man that you full well know. That he's a game changer. That he is a man of wisdom. He is a man of vision. But he's a man that loves you like I love you. And when I found him, uh, first of all, just to be honest with you, it was selfish. It was not about you. It was about me. He was my friend. All right. Now, also, I, I knew that he would be safe to bring you in, uh, bring him into you because I knew that he would care for your souls. I knew that he would watch over you. So as we watched him speak to you and watched you two knit together, 
Uh, I think that a lot of you were like me and internally praying like crazy. God, can we please have him? <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and I just want you to know that not only is he a shepherd's heart and a localized leader and a man of the people, but he's also a man that has a vision for the region. Uh, that he and I have served a lot to look out and say, God, what are you doing on a bigger scale? And how do we partner with what you're doing, Lord? We, we want to do what you're doing. And so as much as he is my buddy, he is also here for you. And so, uh, Pornell, your thoughts, man. I just dropped you all into that, all right? <clears throat> Good morning, family. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. He is faithful in all ways, and I certainly am so excited. We're excited about coming alongside now our Bridgeway family and just seeing what God has in store for us. I'm so delighted to be in a place that has a vision, that has a pastor that's a visionary, and a people that are visionaries. Amen. God is up to something big, and I just believe the best is yet to come. How about you? I believe that with all of my heart, with all of my heart. And uh, we're just looking forward to what God is going to do and excited about, again, connecting and being a part of this family here. So thank you all so much. If I'd ran into one more person in this region from Bridgeway, <laughs> Especially those of you that used to sneak to church in Sacramento. <laughs> if you all had asked me one more time, one more time, when are you going to be a part of us? Uh, literally, as I've told Pastor and others here and the elders, you all prayed me here. And uh, we're grateful again for what God's going to do. So thank you for receiving us. Amen. Oh, what God is doing, right? I mean, crazy, all the pieces that he's putting together. Uh, if I could have the, the worship team and our leaders, if, if any of our pastors or leaders are here, would you just come on up and lay your hands on uh, Pastor Parnell along with me? We want to just bless him. And as a congregation, that we would just extend our hands out to him and, and pray over him. We are all excited. You guys can come on in closer. I get a chance to touch him anytime I want. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, everyone, for being up here with us. Would you all just pray along with me? Heavenly Father, God, we ask for more of you in this man, that he already shines you, you already look good in him, and you're already doing mighty works through him. We pray, Lord, for more anointing. We pray for more power and greater divine appointments that he would be able to minister to your folks. That God, that all of us as a family, we need another spiritual parent like Parnell. And God, you answered the cry of our heart in bringing in someone that would love us deeply, someone that would serve us humbly, someone that would be willing to walk with us in the difficulty. God, I pray that you would strengthen this man, that you would commission him and the name of Jesus Christ to carry out all the duties of his job and even beyond to making this place more like you, that God, we want it just to be like you, completely like you and nothing else. And so father, we ask that you'd give him favor with the people, knit our heart to his, knit his heart to ours. And Lord, allow us to grow in depth with you because you brought this man, God be upon him in Jesus 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to have a pastor, if you could close us out in prayer. Let's stand together. As soon as uh, we're finished, the prayer team's going to be here in the front, and we invite you to come. If you need prayer, they'll be happy to pray with you. Will you bow your heads with me? Once again, Father, we thank you. Mm. We bless you. For this is the day that you have made, and indeed we are rejoicing in it, and we're glad. Thank you, Lord God, for what our ears have heard this day. Thank you, Father, that you have indeed given us a vision. Thank you, Lord God, that you have shown us the importance of our core values and wrapping our hearts around that, Lord God, and understanding what the priority is. The number one thing, and that is that we would know you and love you and love one another as you have poured your Holy Spirit out in us and through us. And we thank you, Lord God, that you've shown us how to measure that and to understand how to come back and evaluate and learn, God, so that we can continue to grow in you. Oh, we give you praise. We bless you. As we leave this place, would you allow us to touch everyone, everyone with the love of Jesus. May they know, God, that we are your children. And we love you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Have a blessed day. Thank you for being here.